the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Bryant. Today we are going to jump into part two of our episode, Using the Enneagram to Build Thriving Relationships. This is part two. If you have not listened to part one yet, go back and listen to that now. Just press pause and go listen to part one, the episode that came right before this, because you're going to want to get some insight into what Enneagram is, how we sort of tee it up and have help you to understand its proper place in the life of a Christian. And then we get into what we're talking about today, about parenting, more about marital relationships, and just how we can rightly handle this tool without using it to replace the gospel and biblical context. Once again, our guests are Jeff and Beth McCord. Beth founded YourEnneagramCoach.com, and her husband Jeff works with her as the executive director of Your Enneagram Coach. Go to their website, take their free assessment. It is so fun, so easy, so pretty, might I add. They're, everything that they do is very well done, and you're going to want to use their website as your tool for everything Enneagram, especially as it relates to the gospel and your relationship with Jesus. So let's get into part two of using the Enneagram to build thriving relationships. Once again, with our guests, Jeff and Beth McCord. And it starts with knowing ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's harder to come from a place of apology when we're not even aware of kind of where, where the sin is or where the, the temptation of that is. I did not want to admit, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic in that the pitfall of my being a two as a supportive advisor, I just want to camp there. I want to camp there and I want to stay there and I want to just, mm, yes, I have good things to say, come to me. <laughs> but my pitfall is pride. Hmm. And if I, you know, don't recognize that, a lot of my efforts can tend to be, you know, of my own making, of my own accord. And that's why I have to watch even what I do here as a communicator and constantly check in with God and ask God, Lord, what is my motivation in this right now? Is it truly, truly to help people or is it for me? Is it to light my own self up because I'm not feeling especially loved today or something? Right. And that's a very real place that we've got to go. Mamas, we've got to go there with ourselves. We have to recognize what what our pitfalls are and then what our core motivators that you have here just really clearly at the bottom of your PDF printout. Please get this on their website. I need to remember them. I am wanted and loved. And even yeah. if it doesn't feel that way, it is a truth that I have to believe without seeing. I think of a couple of things in my own parenting that I, I started to realize early on as a father. Right? So I've got a lot of books and a lot of my reading came from a place of anxiety. I wanted a mentor. I wanted someone who would tell me how to be the best pastor, how to be the best husband, how to be the best dad. And what I came to realize is that our Heavenly Father intends to use our children to draw us closer to Him, not to prove that we can do it apart from Him. And so what that means then is that whenever I find myself frustrated that my kids aren't coming through in the way that I want them to, 
is a great opportunity to realize what idolatrous desire am I bringing and placing upon my kid that I demand that they come through on? So if I'm a type two and I'm wanting them to demonstrate my worth and value, but they don't do what I think, then all of a sudden I'm accusing them of something that they don't even understand or comprehend. But we are projecting it onto them like you need to come through for me in this way. Well, like like even Jeff, for, for us, we were out with our kids who are now 19 and almost 21. And Jeff and Libby, the ni- or 19-year-old, were having a conversation. And in my world as a type 9, the peaceful mediator, <laughs> it felt contentious or debating. <laughs> and my son, who's a type 6, and my daughter's a type 2, and Jeff's a type 6, you know, I was feeling the tension, and I'm wanting to shut it all down. Like, just be kind to one another. And, and they're looking at me like, we're fine. Like... <laughs> There's nothing bad going on here at all. Like no one's feeling what you're feeling. And I'm thinking that's impossible, you know? And so I bring, I brought to that circumstance something that wasn't needed. Now that doesn't mean that I was wrong completely because there was a tiny bit of tension, but to them it wasn't wrong or bad. And so I need to allow them to work out their relationship. And I need to also focus in on, okay, so this isn't, wrong or bad. I feel like it is, but how can I operate in this moment even when it feels uncomfortable? So a lot of it is just understanding the different perspectives instead of pointing at each other like you're wrong, you're bad. You know, it's recognizing that we're different. Now, yes, we do struggle and we have sins and stuff that we do need to recognize. But so often what I find with moms, you know, well, Christians in general, but moms especially is the beating themselves up. You know, they'll see that they're struggling or they have an issue and they want to basically internally beat themselves up. Self-condemnation, shame, guilt, fear, etc. Thinking that that's going to bring them out on the other side in a positive way. And it doesn't. And here's the thing is that Christ already took care of everything. So we no longer have to beat ourselves up, have self-condemnation, fear and shame. You know, uh, Romans 8, 1, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We literally can come to him and lay all these things down at his feet and rest in the assurance of who we already are in him, that he is transforming us and to continually to ask him to help us to become more like him, but also walk in step with the spirit as he works and moves through us. Mm-hmm. You know, Bethy, that reminds me of a story with Nate. Um, he was, had just graduated And he was thinking of entrepreneurial things to do so they didn't have to get a job in college. And I was asking him a lot of questions about his idea. And he started to weep. And I didn't know that I was doing anything wrong. And he says, I, and so he, he responds and shares, I, I've never wanted to tell you this, but when you ask me all those questions, I lose heart. Well, being open to receiving feedback from your children becomes an opportunity for me. It's an invitation for my father to recognize that something's happening that I may not be aware of. My sin, as you know, David describes it, he says that my sin surrounds me and I cannot see. It blinds us. And because the reality is, is that I'm overwhelmed by all of my thinking. I'm overwhelmed by all of my self-doubt and fears of potential harm that could come in the 
fears of potential failures. And so in the moment I was able, just with my son being honest with me, he was saying, dad, sometimes when you're an unhealthy six, it's burdensome. And I, and I can in the moment just simply say, you're right. And I mean, how many of us as uh, parents wish that our parents would simply say they were sorry? <laughs> and just, it, it wasn't like they needed to be perfect. They just needed to be, admit to the reality that they weren't perfect would be so healing to us. And that became an opportunity for my son to differentiate, to become his own man but also for me to grow in the gospel of God's grace to become the kind of father that God intends. Amen. Amen. That's the beautifully transformative part of self-knowledge and what Enneagram brings what I found and through your wonderful resources here is that there's so much truth that we can understand about ourselves that not that the gospel is not enough, not that the epistles and, and Paul's exhortation and all of that, it's written and God's word is living and breathing, but to understand ourselves better in that, oh my goodness, when they say be anxious for nothing because God's given us all of these things, it's, it's a call back to, do you know your God? And we can only get to know him in the pages of scripture and what he's given us and by talking to him and realizing, wow, I have placed my own expectations maybe based on my own personal needs that I'm getting from all of these worldly things and not from the truth of who God is. So that is, mm -hmm. you know, another way to look at that, but that transformative work of just, I'm not just the parent here who I, I think I know best for you, but also we've got to give our kids that clear pathway to talk to us. Sometimes people enjoy it whenever Beth and I do it is that we'll take a particular topic and we call it walk the wheel. Uh, we'll just go through and apply a passage or a theme to each Enneagram type. And even the verse that you just mentioned from Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. And, you know, that is the number one command in scripture is do not fear for I am with you. Mm -hmm. So fear actually becomes the opportunity for us to experience God's presence in a new way. Mm -hmm. And, but what the Enneagram does is that we know that the Bible's true. And so we all face fear in some way. Fear shows up to us uniquely. And so the Enneagram just simply says, how does fear show up for the type nine? for yeah. the type one, for the type two, so that you know, like, oh, this is the plan for you. This is the specific application um, for each Enneagram type as it relates to any uh, command in scripture. Mm. So fear is one issue that will come up a lot that we do need to pay attention to. Let's talk about before we end this, this episode today about expectations, particularly in marriage, because you guys are really specializing in, in the caring for marriage right now over at your Enneagram right. Mentor, and it's beautiful. And your book coming out October 1st, which I love, by the way, because that's my husband's birthday. And <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I feel like we need to, uh, you know give this as a present to ourselves this, this year, but it's coming out October 1st. It's called Becoming Us, Use the Enneagram, Using the Enneagram to Create a Thriving Gospel-Centered Marriage. When we are one type and our husband is another and vice versa, and we're expecting prioritization to happen in the same way that we see the world, how does that 
create so much misunderstanding and conflict. Well, we, we addressed this from the get-go, and it, we use the passage, Jeremiah 2.13, where God says to his people, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And the idea is there that we have intentionally turned away from the one who was intended to satisfy all of our longings. And we've turned to cultivating dependent relationships on one another to come through in only ways that Christ can. So here's the bad news and the good news. Um, The bad news is your spouse will never satisfy your deepest longings. And the good news is that they were never intended to. We have tried to cultivate those kinds of relationships. And so when it comes to what it means to live life, that the Lord's going to end up using our spouse to reveal how we've turned away from him and tried to be satisfied with other things. And so those little frustrations actually become opportunities. Uh, Marriage researcher John Gottman, um, who has written some great material, but he was saying that a couple's ability to be influenced by one another is one of the top factors of what differentiates masters at marriage versus disasters. And he even said even more so the ability of a husband to be influenced by his wife. But if we just think about, if we take a step back and realize that God intends to use the most significant relationship that we will ever have on earth in order to help become, help us to become the people he desires for us to be. And so sometimes when our spouse frustrates a desire we have, sometimes it's an opportunity for us to recognize that we want something that the Lord didn't intend. Mm -hmm. But the Enneagram is also helpful for us because it helps us to understand whenever our spouse is saying, so this has been a big one that we were just talking about last night for Beth and I, Beth loves to have the dishwasher loaded and cleaning dishes overnight and then unloaded in the morning. I don't care about dirty dishes. I don't care about loading the dishwasher. It's just not on my radar, (laughs) but it's really important to her. And it's important to her because her heart's at rest. If If she sees the dirty dishes, that means there's something that needs to be done. Things aren't at rest. It's a very nine desire. The Enneagram helps me understand why I can yield to my wife and serve her by loading the dishwasher. So in one sense, she has to learn, Jeff's not going to come through for me ultimately, but I have to learn there are particular ways that I can serve my wife and that I now have insight in to become the husband that God intends for me to become. My husband, on the other hand, um, needs the dishes to be done before we go to bed. <laughs> right. Especially be the type one. Oh yeah. Yes. Because it's the right way to take care of the house. <laughs> That's right. And right. there's a specific way to load the dishwasher, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, I, I stack it. We actually don't have a dishwasher. I am the dishwasher. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to train the two other little dishwashers in my home to take on that burden for mommy. But uh, I will stack the dishes. I will stack them so high to where they fall, and he 
hears it and he gets even more frustrated. But it's like, do I do the dishes or not do the dishes? And, you know, it, it's not like he unleashes wrath if I don't. But if he were here right now, he would tell you absolutely the dishes have been <laughs> a point of contention in our marriage for that reason. Because we have different views on how and when and why they need to be done. So, you know, I serve him and making sure they're done before we go to bed so we don't wake up and have all these dishes, right? But it's totally, it's a different need. It, and, and any other number coming in this house would have a totally different view on dishes. So I'm glad to hear this differing perspective on dishes right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could walk the wheel on how, why each type wants to load the dishwasher. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, that, that's how funny the Enneagram is. Create some Instagram things on that. That's <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, just before we go, guys, um, is, there, is there any last line we could talk for hours and hours and days and years on this but that's why you've put all this beautiful um insight into your book becoming us again coming out october 1st all right so beth and jeff what are some next steps that people can take you know figuring out their enneagram type they can do that on your website the, the assessment but beyond that what what kind of hope can they find in starting this journey of enneagram and self-discovery yeah, I think for those who are beginners and don't know about the Enneagram, the first thing to do is to go and take uh, some type of a assessment or a type test. Um, we found a, a great amount of help from ours. As a matter of fact, um, we just hit a half a million people have taken our assessment. Um, and so it, it's helpful exercise. It'll be eye-opening. Uh, secondly, we've also created a marriage assessment where you'll be able to take it together and it's going to give you a six-page report on where you're at as it relates to spirituality, family of origin, communication, conflict, and becoming your best selves together, which is a helpful exercise because it's going to show you not only uh, where you are currently, but what your unhealthy patterns are and what your healthy patterns can be. And so it's kind of a great next step for couples. It's going to come with a discussion guide. So we're not going to just give you all this information and have you go and talk about it and not be prepared. Um, but we do provide some other helps to make sure that you have the kind of safe conversation that's going to be beneficial for you as a couple. Uh, and then there's just a variety of opportunities of free content online from uh, social media content, as well as email or blog where we provide ongoing help and tools. And then we try probably our third step for those who know their type and are ready to take that final step is that we've created a course for every couple type. So there are nine individual types, but there are 45 couple types on the Enneagram. And uh, we've actually created an online course for each couple where we take the contents of the book and we actually coach couples according to their specific type. So a one and a two, there's a course. For six and a nine, there's a course, and it's specific to them. Oh, how wonderful. That must have taken a while <laughs> to come back. <laughs> oh, my wife was a <laughs> How many videos did you make, sweetie? 283. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I love I love that you got that specific and thank you. Thank you on behalf of all of us couple types who are going to take that <laughs> core, look at that core, take the assessment, do the course. I really highly encourage you to do it. And you know, mom is if you're mama listening to this right now, 
don't feel like you can't do this, you know, without your husband, like definitely do the assessment for yourself first and, and look at what God is showing you. And then, I mean, what, what is your advice for, you know, if, if one is kind of looking into this and the spouse isn't really sure yet, I mean, what, what is the best thing for an oh, individual yeah. to do I mean, that? That, you know, Jeff and I were like that for probably mm-hmm. at least the first five years. And you just, you work on it on yourself, but that's just like any work. I mean, we all have to do our own work and we encourage and affirm our spouse and love them well. We can't change and fix our spouse. We can pray for them. We can be there and support them, but that's ultimately God's work. And so use the Enneagram for yourself. And, you know, if you would love for your spouse to do it, pray and ask God that he would open that door for them. But if not, you can still do your own inner work and it'd be an absolute blessing for you. And people can take the course just by themselves. If their spouse doesn't join in, but you know their type, you can take the course for your couple type and learn and grow in ways that maybe your spouse isn't ready for. You've been listening to episode 72, Using the Enneagram to Build Thriving Relationships, part two. If you have not listened to part one yet, please go back and listen to that now because it'll put all of this in context and make sure that you get their marriage materials, take the marriage assessment, get their new book, Becoming Us, and join or form your own small group around understanding yourselves, using the Enneagram as a tool to enhance your relationship with God as you study his word and as you continue in community with other believers who know and love God too and have the same goal of bringing families together and building strong foundations and healthy homes, which is what we are helping you do here at Practical Family. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out practicalfamily.org. Sign up for our newsletter for any new episode or piece of content that's coming out. You'll be the first to hear about that. And subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast if you have not already so that you get the episodes right away. Thanks for being a part of our community. This has been Jen Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to help families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Mm